Welcome to episode 42 of Board Game Impact. So you know what that means. Very geeky things ahead. Don't forget to bring your towel and we'll be back in a second. Howdy, everybody. Don't panic. Uh, we're here with episode 42, The Meaning of Everything. Um, and so, of course, this is Bruce Brown, and I'm always joined by... This is Josh. And we just can't help it, y'all. It's 42. And if you are a geek, you are a nerd, let's embrace it, and uh, let's lean into all that. And and so and uh, so long, and thanks for all the fish. That's probably what we're going to say at the end of this. Um, but Josh, um, <laughs> why don't you tell everybody what we're doing here on the show? Well, this uh, at Board Game Impact, we like to bring together our love for board games and all things board game related, including nerdy, geeky things. And we like to infuse a little bit of our backgrounds in education and development uh, into the the world of board gaming and try to provide some context about the games that we're playing, the games that we're enjoying, the experiences that we are having, and hopefully guide our listeners to some enjoyable experiences of their own in the hobby of board gaming. Yes. Thank you, Josh. I kind of put you on the spot there and you did great. Um, So yeah, essentially we're breaking down our gaming experiences so that way you and your friends can make informed decisions about the games you want to play and whether or not some of these games are for you, but also what to know um, about them. And so in today's episode, we're going to do something different um, in a good way. So we're going to talk about games we've been playing recently. Um, Then we are going to actually jump into other geeky things that are going on in our lives. Um, And also, of course, um, if you're listening to this in the month of September, uh, we are running a currently a contest over on our Facebook pages, things like that, where you can find the link as well as the link in the description of this show to go and win a miniaturemarket.com gift card. It's not sponsored by Miniature Market. This is just something we're wanting to do for you and because we're, we're just so thankful you're listening. So make sure to stay tuned for the secret code so that way you can get even more entries to win because we'd love for our listeners to win this contest. Um, so with that being said, Josh, why don't we jump right in? Um, what is something you've been playing? Absolutely. So the first thing that I wanted to bring to the table, as it were, uh, is Yokohama. So Yokohama, produced by Tasty Menstrual Games, uh, a game that came out in 2016, so a little bit older of a game, but something that I have been playing a good amount of thanks to two separate things. One uh, is my... Uh, five by ten so for listeners who have been uh, with us the last couple of months uh, may remember that i've been um, kind of doing some socially distanced gaming with a small group of friends uh limiting our game nights to only four of us by doing this 10 by 5 and part of that 10 by 5 has been yokohama So Yokohama is a game in which you have a a variable board setup um, that have different tiles on it where you are going to be placing your workers and taking action. So it is a worker placement game, but with a little bit of a twist. On your turn, what you are going to do is you are going to take between two and three of your workers. If you take two workers, 
you are going to place them onto this a single tile. If you are placing three workers, you are going to place them on three separate tiles. But those are not actually the actions that you are necessarily going to be taking. Instead, what you are going to be doing is you are going to have your grande worker, um, also known in Yokohama as your president, is going to be moving around the board. But your president can only move across tiles that your workers are on. Across the back of the workers. Yes. (laughs) And wherever your president lands you will then recover all of the workers off of that space and take an action equivalent to the number of workers that are there. Um, so a number of, these tile, number of these tiles are going to be gaining you resources. Those resources you are then going to be using to f- fulfill contracts, which you can collect on other spaces. You can also be um, turning things into uh, building things for the temple, which will earn you some money. For the from or, or earned you some victory points from being highest on the temple track, uh, and you're also going to be trying to gain some exports, which you can then export out as well as some technology tiles. Um, really, really interesting decisions that are made in this game. Uh, you cannot place your president on a tile that another president is already on, and so there's a little bit of blocking that's going on. Additionally, if you have to move through a tile where someone else's president is on, you have to pay that president some yen. I think this is an absolutely fantastic game. I, it's something that I've been wanting to try for a while and was very, very excited to have it on my 10 by 5 And it has not disappointed at all. Absolutely in love with this game. Nice. So... I this is a game Josh that I have heard talked about many many a time and I'm looking at it on Board Game Arena as we speak and every time I see it I'm like I feel like I would be lost because it's got all those little cards that you set up the game with right all the different spaces mm-hmm. and but every time I hear it explained I'm like that seems really straightforward so how do you balance all of these different tiles that you set up for the game and then this ease of play. So this is a game that I think has a very simple mechanism with a great depth of strategy to it. Um, so, you know, I, I I really enjoy this conversation between one of the, the focuses of this 10 by 5 is we want to play games that we don't get to the table often enough because they're bigger, heavier games that a lot of times are harder to get out at a traditional game night. Uh, And all of us really like these deep, heavy games, but they're also games that we really want to explore and, and get a number of plays in. And there's two ways in which I think you do replayability. One is discovery, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think there's a lot of discovery to Yokohama. The, there's not a lot of expand. There's not much to add into the game, but there is an incredible depth to explore. So one of the nice things about it is almost all of those tiles is a duplicate. Um, so huh? almost all of them, there are two. 
um, the bulk of the tiles. There are two brick producing tiles, oh. two silk producing tiles, two fish producing tiles, and I'm going to blank on what the uh, tea. There are two tea producing tiles. There are two tiles where you can go and gain contracts. There are two tiles where you can go and gain technologies. And then there is a unique tile that's the shipping tile, a unique tile that is the temple tile, and a unique tile that is the trade good market. Hmm. And so while it looks intimidating... It does. It... Once you kind of set it up and you look at it and you understand what what you're doing, it's very, very simple in terms of the, the mechanisms. But again, the the simplicity of the mechanisms are incredibly, incredibly deceiving because you are manipulating where your president is and where your workers are and how many workers are on a certain space. Because if you pull between four and five workers off of a space, in addition to gaining a bunch of extra resources or a much higher level technology or something like that, you also have these trade houses. And if you pull four or five workers off, then you get to build your trade house. Mm. Now your trade house on that tile for the rest of the game, in addition to scoring you some immediate points or immediate bonuses, like um, being able to pull some things off of your player board to allow you to build more things later on or different things like that. In addition, you are also then going to always have one additional worker on that space. And so now... You can pull four off and gain the benefit as if you had five. Oh. So, again, I, I think that this game just has an incredible level of depth. And because of the variable setup with the tiles coming out. Yeah, there's like 14 tiles, listeners. Be, because of that variable setup, it it allows for an extensive amount of replayability a different puzzle every time you play, but it doesn't get any more complex. Because it's all the and same spaces, just in a different spot. Just in a different organization. And so, but that can have a significant impact on your turns, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, you're trying to map out these paths of which ways do I want to go? You also don't have an unlimited number of workers. And so if you create this very long path and take your president from one side of the board to the other, just not efficient. you've left four or five workers on your board that you can't use until your president comes back and collects them. Huh. And so you're really trying to navigate this the, the movement around this board in, in some really interesting ways. And it's just got some really, really cool decision points throughout the game bruce i think you would absolutely fall in love with this game yeah i mean if you're willing Um, to teach it i'll gladly play it on board game arena with you which actually was was the other yeah uh, i uh, mentioned there are two reasons why i've been playing quite a bit of this and that is because it is on board game arena and it the the implementation on board game arena is quite good 
Um, and so I would be happy to give this a teach and play through anytime you wanted to, Bruce. So and I'd love that. I need to ask a question that I asked you several episodes ago about Board Game Arena versus like Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator, but different. Um, and that question is, okay, so if you have the choice between playing it in person or playing it online for your first learning game of this, what would you do? Oh, I'm because remember, board game arena is going to take care of all the admin of how many things you have, those kind of things, and not let you take actions that you can't. Yes. I mean, nothing is going to compare to sitting around a table with friends, in my opinion. Um, There, there's nothing quite like the experience of having your friend group around the table and playing a game and and watching one another and learning from your opponent's move the downside i think i have found with board game arena and don't get me wrong i am currently absolutely over the moon with the way board game arena works same here i would not teach this game using tabletop simulator or tabletopia um and here's why because those get this is a game where i think it is very easy to make mistakes and miss things and the issue that i have with online gaming right now that i am starting to realize more and more is i get so focused in on what i am doing i lose track of what everyone else is doing and so you may not miss when someone who is learning the game makes a mistake Mm. and there's nothing worse in my opinion than someone playing a game and realizing halfway through that they've been making mistakes because for me i feel this overwhelming sense of guilt when that when i do that when i'm the person who has been cheating unintentionally yeah or you know has been doing really really poorly because i missed a rule because mm-hmm. yeah I, is it, I hate that feeling yeah i mean because it's like a is it did i not listen to is it like was there something i was screwing up also like mm-hmm. well is my current board state even right right and it's like yeah. i can't go back and see so if this like tension of hey guys do i tell you about this do like you know what i mean like absolutely is my so, judgment on this game at the end of that experience right I didn't play yeah. it right. <laughs> yeah, I did. I really get the experience that I was supposed to have out of this because I I missed this thing early on and it took me until now and we're three quarters of the way through. And so, yeah, that's that's the feeling that I really dislike and that I think happens more often with online gaming. However, with table or, or board game arena. And I, I wanted to hit on this is yeah. I'm I'm over the moon with Board Game Arena. They've just done some phenomenal work on some of my favorite games, right? I'm Teotihuacan is on there and Zulkin is on there and Yokohama is on there. And I'm getting a chance to teach some of my friends who I haven't gamed with in three or four years because they live in Illinois I'm getting to teach them some of my favorite games that that we never got a chance to experience when I was living there. And so I I love this. And I would say this, if you are going to teach this game in a digital space, 
it is worth teaching it on board game arena. Okay. Um, yeah, but, but you lose again, you lose that. The, the one thing here is you, you still, I think in my, for me, at least I lose track of what other players are doing. And one of the things that with Yokohama is I think it's a very experiential game to learn. Yeah. I mean, you Um, talked about that with the depth. Yeah, you you really need to see what's happening. And part of that is watching what your opponent is doing and kind of learning that strategy um, that you're seeing from the more experienced players at the table. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, really recommend this game, though. Cannot cannot speak highly enough of it. Um, strongest recommendation. And Bruce, we, we need to find some time to to pull this one out happy to happy 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 to on that note actually um listeners i am actually so i'm the organizer of our local meetup group here um after our previous organizer moved to florida and we wish him and his family the best um but that happened right at the beginning of the pandemic and so we haven't been meeting up because it is not the safest to do here um and so i have only been able to play online or like solo things and so it's like, okay, well, let's move away from being an uh, area that can't and let's come from a perspective of what can we do and get to do. Um, so with that being said, I've actually created all new meetup events starting next Tuesday, so a week from this podcast episode dropping, um, in which we're having our virtual game nights Um and I highly encourage everybody to utilize Board Game Arena because there's a lot of free content on there too. Um, but if somebody has a premium account, then they can start the games um, for all the other ones. Um, so I encourage checking it out. Um, it's been super helpful. And we'll see. Uh, if you're also curious, how do I set up a Discord to like do member provisions and things like that? Reach out to me and I can give you some pointers because I created that for our group um expanded number of tables we have for digital play in discord and by the way if you don't know we actually record this podcast over discord um it's super helpful so if you want any help with that reach out um, but that being said josh i'm going to talk about a non-digital thing for a change um and that is that i finally played something i printed out like three weeks ago four weeks actually probably more than that but i did the print and play map uh board for Super Skill Pinball 4K by WizKids. <laughs> have you heard of this? Bruce, you're you're going to have to give a good overview <laughs> on that because I have never, I have no idea what you're talking about. Google those words right now because uh, I want you to see this. Okay. Super let's, let's Skill Pinball 4, like the number 4, Cade. So instead of Arcade, that's what it is. Um, this is by Jeff Engelstein um, who... Uh, is related to Sidney Engelstein, the new um, head developer over at Stronghold Games within ND Game Studios. But Jeff Engelstein has published several things, former on the Ludology podcast, founder with that, published the Game Tech book and all the Game Tech podcast episodes, as well as is the co-author on the Board Game Mechanics book. Um, it's a really great actual like textbook in board gaming. This is, though, what if we could turn a pinball machine into a roll and write game. You heard so, that right. I am looking at what might be one of the most bonkers <laughs> player boards. I think I've ever seen. Yeah. What are you seeing, Josh? Just, just walk us through it. So it, it is 
So right now, the player board that I'm looking at has a clown face uh-huh. and a bunch of numbers and some stars and a pinball on it. Uh, it, it looks like a a shrunk down version of a pinball machine, but yeah, I I, I am very very lost. <laughs> sure thing, sure thing. So this is a roll and write game. The game actually comes. I don't have the physical game. I only did the print and play, which is free, by the way, on Board Game Geek. And I'll drop the link to that in this episode show notes uh, because I wanted to get the word out. Also, we're in a pandemic, so like here, have this fun experience because Jeff Engelstein is great like that. Also, no surprise that he. Um, helped sponsor uh, for having different voices at the um, and different representation at the game designers conference that took place before last year's BGG fully funded trip Um, like wonderful human Um, so what this is is imagine having a pinball machine so you've got the flippers at the bottom you've got the then um, bumpers in the middle like the big bumpers You've got the little paddles um, in between there on each side. Um, you've got the little part which can shoot up um, and like shoots around to drop the ball back down. And then the top little parts like for when the ball shoots over or first starts, it drops all the way down from the very top of the board. And so on, on your turn, what you do, because you can play this one player, you can play it up to four and each in the game box there's actually four different maps with four copies of each map um, and four score sheets that are all dry erase which is like phenomenal the amount of games that are in this little thing Um, and so what you do is you roll the two dice and you have an actual little half shell pinball now for me i was doing print and play so i used a dime Um, and what you do is starting at the top you can because you're going to move the little for me it was moving my dime from section down to section down like gravity and so i could mark off an area uh, with one of the die results because there was six numbers there and once i marked off all six of those i got to wipe those clean to be able to hit them again Um, then you can hit within the bumpers on this one map and on this map the bumpers whenever you hit them they go clockwise like so you would have to go from top left to top right to then bottom Uh, so you could not do um, top right to top left. You couldn't go counterclockwise. Um, and as you drop through the middle, there's even little sections that as you would cross with your little pinball to circle like, uh, what is it, like flipper bonus because um, there's a red flipper and an or- a yellow flipper at the bottom. Yellow flipper can only go up and hit the ye- that half of the board because physics. Um, and the red flipper can only hit the right half of the board because it's on the left side. So it's going to shoot it to the other side. Um, so this like... I was like, what the heck is going on with this? There's so much going on. I felt like it's like two pages of rules. And I'm like, wait, what is this? And also it has a whole nudge thing. So if you were like a super pinballer, they built in a mechanic where you can like nudge the table to try and get the result you want. Um, And I had never done that. So I'm like, how does that work? And I found myself playing... And I was like, okay, well, like, oh, that's how that works. That's how that works. Because, like, it was definitely one of those games where I had to unpack it a little bit. But once I was playing, I was like, ooh, multi-ball. And, like, here's another dime. And then, ooh, everything's worth two now. And, like, oh, that just got me 40 points. And I felt the digital, like, the score clock going up in my head of, like, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, like, unlocking different things. I'm like, I feel like I'm playing pinball right now. Um so for me, just sitting there after having breakfast at my kitchen table, I was in my own little world like I was in an arcade. 
um, with a little roll in right game. So Bruce, I, I, I have to ask, did you feel like a pinball wizard? I felt like playing the song. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, but yeah, so there's this game's like 20 bucks and it comes with four different pinball games. So this was the one I played. The one that's for free is called Carne Ball. That's why it has the big weird clown. Um, I'm going to click through. I'm on the BGG right now to find the other ones. So it looks like we've got Dance Fever. Uh-huh. We've got Cyber Hack. Cyber Hack, which, which very much has a cyberpunk um, feel to it. And Dance Fever is like totally like Disco Fever. Yeah. And then, and then what is this Dragon one? Slayer. Yeah. This one's got a lot going on. Yeah. I So even hearing you and just listening to you explain this, Bruce, I, I still looking at it while you're explaining it. I, this is definitely something that I think, I I think you have to have it in front of you and you do do it. You do and do it because I'm hearing you say all of these things and hearing you get excited and it's just not clicking for me as I'm looking at these pictures. That's fair, but I want to challenge you whenever I've been in an arcade I look at a pinball and I'm like, I'm doing things. I don't know what any of those things do. Right. That's, that's fair. And so it took a minute for me to actually click. That's how that works. So, and, and I don't know if you are aware of this or not, Bruce, but are each of these maps significantly different in terms of how you score or are you still ultimately trying to achieve the same objectives with with different mechanics? They've each got their own little flair. Um, so like Carne Ball, and it talks about all of them on the back of the box. So like Carne Ball mm-hmm. is classic pinball experience where you shoot ducky targets, pop balloons, things like that. Cyberhack is quote unquote stealing data. Um, so you're having to like unlock things a little bit more. So you have to actually, it's one of those ones where you have to spell out letters. Because um, okay. yes, you have to actually run they spell it run for the programming uh dragon slayer you're trying to become a wizard apparently and you're hitting targets to level up your spells to then conquer the stuff um and dance fever it looks like it's um hitting up the mini table and getting down on the dance floor so i think that one's more about like synergies and things but if you look at it it's got similar things so they all have like paddles they all have bumpers they all have these drop through zones but they all work slightly different so i think once you learn one of them then you're going to be like oh that's what this is on this one sure that 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 would make sense but i i I enjoyed it a lot i do wonder how it is if you're colorblind i will say that because there's a lot going on it's very bright but the print and play was very much doesn't have all the fancy art in the background as present. So it makes more of the stuff stand out a lot easier. Sure. I I will say these are very loud pieces of, of design. Um, I, I think that's probably where a lot of, for me, a lot of the confusion is coming from is the, the iconography does not pop out at me at all in this game. Yeah, um, that's fair. But and it looks very cool. It looks very nice. The artwork is um really really cool. I like the art, but it is um 
definitely hard, harder at least to to look at it and, and really get an idea of what's happening. Yeah, so that's super pinball, super skill pinball, four Cade. If you want to play that, it's free. If you want to just have something to do for like thirty minutes, click in the link of this description, print it out. You just need like two coins and two dice um, and obviously a printer. Um, but check that out. Uh, but from a very different lens, I actually want Josh, I want to talk about my next one real quick. Um, yeah, and that is, that. that is, and again, y'all, we are not a Stonemeyer podcast. Um, we swear <laughs> that's one of these days we won't have something new to talk about. We doubt that. Um, but that's, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Um, but, uh, this weekend, um, there was this past weekend, there was a launch of Wingspan Digital. Um, so that's Stonemeyer Games. We've talked about Wingspan a lot, won the Spiel des Jahres, um, things like that. Um, but this is in partnership with Monster Couch, apparently. It's on Steam. Hmm. So there was, uh, not early release, but early special. So it was on discount this past weekend. Um, and so I played it. Um, played it with Justin, actually. Um, and then played it solo as well. So every bird... Um, so Wingspan, if you haven't played it before, it's an engine building game where you're playing birds to three different habitats to try and build your little engine. Um, and each turn, each round of the four rounds, you're getting less and less actions because you're committing one of your things each round to your score track. Um, so the game, the rounds get shorter and shorter, but your turns get more and more complex. It's really actually fascinating. The inverse relationship there. Um, so either you're either playing cards, getting food, laying eggs, which either were each worth a point, or you can use them to put more bird cards out there or playing uh getting more cards those are essentially your four choices um with then the birds having different powers so this is the digital adaptation of it um every bird by the way when you play it has two things happen one the bird has a unique noise and two is it, is it actually the bird's I, song yes or we... i'm pretty dang sure yes that's so fantastic. And then there's a narrator that comes over and gives you a little piece of trivia about that bird. Because guess what happens right after that? Do you, do you get a bird fact? Well, you I'm, get I'm, the bird fact. Like, that's the trivia. Yeah, that's the trivia. But um, it essentially gets logged in your, like, preservation log on the main screen. So essentially, every bird card you play, you've discovered a bird. And so you're creating your Pokedex. <laughs> this is this was already an instant purchase for me, but <laughs> you just got um, this through the roof. Yeah, and so here's the thing. You Wingspan, there hasn't always been that much there isn't that much player interaction. That's actually why I enjoy the expansion a lot more. Um, and add that in because it adds in a little bit more player variability and what somebody does on one on their turn. Um makes it a little bit more so it's very much like a solo experience that justin happened to be there for um which there was like little interaction don't get me wrong because of the bird feeder that's in the game which is where you get your resources from um but they have like soothing music the whole time and it was super relaxing like if you just wanted like a yoga style game and feel like you're out in the middle of the wilderness looking at birds this will be good for you. Um, if you just need that in your life right now, I recommend it. And by the way, each bird is animated. Um, so like the, either the mouth will move or like there was one bird that apparently runs backwards to try and dig up worms. And so it was like sliding backwards on my card. Um, 
Yeah, so like every bird was animated in a different way. That's very, very, very cool. I'm um very excited to to give this a shot. But I you're you're absolutely right. There I had this conversation with some friends uh last weekend because one of one of the guys in our game group really dislikes Wingspan. Um and, and it's because he dislikes solo games really is what it comes down to. That would make um, sense. But, you know, I, I don't think Wingspan is the greatest game ever made. It, it's a very good game, but it's not great. What it is, is soothing. Yes. It is one of the most relaxing activities, I think, that you can really engage in with with friends around a table it's it's just calming it it gives you a sense of i don't know being or purpose or it it just it is for me at least it is like going to a happy place Mm -hmm. Uh, and it sounds like they've really done a good job with this digital adaptation of creating that experience in a digital format yeah they've leaned in hard on that in a really good way though um, so I'd recommend checking it out if you have the capability. Um, and now I tell people this, whenever we talk about digital games on steam, I have a Mac. So I, if I can play it, it probably works on your computer. Um, but again, check the system requirements. Um, so yeah. Bruce, I have one question, yeah. uh, about the listing on steam that, that has confused me since they announced it. Yes. It, allegedly has a co-op mode what um <laughs> on steam when i'm you pulling look up at the steam. tags when you pull up the tags on steam it has cooperative play and i don't know what that means for wingspan i don't know what that means and I hate to say okay, that. So um, we're on the I'm, same go- page. I'm going into my library right now as you talk about. It. Even if we move on, I'm still going to be looking into this. Uh, oh, and by the way, um, be careful because there are other versions of Wingspan on um, Steam. Just to put that out there, uh, there are the what's it called? Um, the Tabletopia files and things like that. Don't buy those by accident if you're trying to get this one. Um, make sure you click the right purchase. Uh, that may or may not have happened to another friend. Um, so yeah, make sure you buy the right thing. Um, but Hey, you got two versions of a good game. That's, that's the win. Um, so yeah, I had one other question, Bruce. Go ahead. I was like, you really only one question? Cause I bet you have more questions. (laughs) There's also a special edition bundle. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's weird. I will just say that the special edition bundle means you get the game and, an audio file. It's like a CD essentially, but digitally of this soothing, relaxing music. But you still get the soothing, relaxing music in the game regardless. Yes. Gotcha. Yep. Um, yep. Just, I'm that's, very confused by this. Well, I mean, but. you don't get to just listen to that. You have all the other sound effects of the game. So if you happen to like this soothing, relaxing music, you can buy that. I see. Uh, yep, I'll just this, leave it at that. Um, <laughs> I, I will also just point out for for listeners who who may be interested in getting this, it is on sale at the moment, but it is only a ten percent discount for early backer or early purchasers. 
So your discount is is from twenty to eighteen dollars. Um, so you're not if you miss the early sale, it's not it's not the end of the world. You you only end up with the the additional two dollars that you're paying um, yeah. by and, missing out. And if it is of financial concern, but you're sounding like something this is something you want, I recommend putting it in your wish list because Steam will let you know when it's on sale. Um, that's what they do. Um, but yeah, so this was Wingspan. It was a lot of fun. I might play it again more two player. I will or more players, but honestly, it's a game I'll probably play a lot of single. Yeah, I don't think you're you're missing a whole lot other than the, you know, mm-hmm. talking and and spending time with friends uh by by playing this right. solo versus in, in person. Oh, and one other thing, I do need to say this cuz this is always a question with new games, right? Is how's mm-hmm. the AI? Um it it killed us. Um, and I know what I'm doing in Wingspan. And we played it on easy. So, yeah, there's that. I still felt accomplished because that's what Wingspan does. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it the AI is pretty good. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. So, Josh, we've been going for a little bit now. So, I think we need to take a break um, and share our listeners with that secret code and jump into geeky things. Is that good for you? That sounds great, Bruce. Okay. So, Josh... Yes, Bruce. We've got a contest going on. We sure do. Uh, how about you tell the listeners of our secret code? Absolutely. So in honor for listeners who may have missed our last episode or two episodes, in honor of all of the wonderful support that our um, friends, family, and fans have, have been able to provide to us during our gameathon, uh, in order to raise money for charity, our secret code of the month is thank you. And I wanted to give an additional thank you to two unknown supporters who, after the gameathon ended, after we had wrapped up the fundraising, have gone back in and donated money to us, uh, continue to donate money to us. And so um, I, I was not able to see who those two people who, who, donated to me were but um thank you thank you thank you thank you um it it means the world to us and now take your secret code and and let us thank you yeah so that secret code again is thank you so with no space though no space on that thank you um and if you're curious because we gave you the update last time of where we were at so we were at um 895 dollars raised for children's miracle network um and the children's hospitals covid19 relief fund so our extra life is now at 950 dollars um so just blowing it out of the blowing our goal out of the water um helping sick kids so thank you thank you thank you so much for that so we just want to give back to our community it's not much but we're we're trying to do what we can um just to say thank you so thank you again uh, hop on over it's in the show link for this uh, show notes for this click that link and you can enter the secret code for a whole bunch of extra points um so with that let's get back to the show and lean into this whole 42 thing josh um so how about you go first tell me something geeky tell you something geeky well bruce i have a i have a brief story to tell you all right in the beginning the universe was created this made a lot of people very angry and has widely been considered to be a bad move um, for listeners who may be very confused about what we are going on about around 42, um, go read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy yes. because it's hands down one of the greatest books ever written. 
Speaking of reading, um, it sounds like we've both been doing a good amount of reading, Bruce. And, yeah. And I've, I've started something that I have put off for a very, very long time. Uh, and I actually started reading the Wheel of Time series. Um, it's so about time. <laughs> it is about time. Um, it's only... Uh, been on the top of my reading list for for about ten years. Well, you finally circled back to it. <laughs> You're really good at these, Bruce. Um, they make me very angry. <laughs> these are not listen written down, listeners. I promise. So, the Wheel of Time uh, is a a novelization written by Robert Jordan, um, and, and actually finished by by a friend of his um because he he sadly passed away before he was able to finish um but as many fantasy authors uh before and since have uncovered um it's very hard to make a called shot with your fantasy series mm-hmm. so the wheel of time was originally uh, intended to be a six book series uh, ultimately turned out to be a 14 book series with a prequel and two side adventure novels uh, coming out in the same universe. And so uh, it comes as no surprise to most people that, that Robert Jordan ultimately was unable to finish his series, but is still quite enjoyable. So I'm about halfway through book one at the moment. Uh, and, and Really, really fantastic. I've actually been uh, listening to this one on audiobook, and nice. the um, narrators for the this one is is there are two because there's chapter it, it bounces back and forth between a couple different characters, um, perspectives and viewpoints, and so occasionally it is a male perspective and occasionally it is a female perspective, and so they have a male narrator and a female narrator, um, both of which are are quite quite good uh, really really loving this this uh you know this novel and really looking forward to we'll, we'll see how far into them i get I, I i have not made a commitment at this point to finishing the series because that's been what held me back is, is 14 books is a a lot to to read and so um, we will see if I actually make it all the way through, but I am at least setting myself a goal of getting through the first couple books. That's awesome. So do you have some of them downloaded beyond the first one yet? I have not. So uh, my wife and I have an audi- audible account. Uh, we get a family subscription, so we get two books a month. Mm. And so I'm just going to start stockpiling them with my monthly credits until I get a handful in um, most likely if I'm being totally honest, I will do it until the third book in the I, I'm using this to hold me over in my King Killer Chronicles wait mm. um, the unending wait for the third King Killer Chronicle. But uh, so I, I figured if I have to wait for this book any longer, I might as well start reading uh, the the Wheel of Time to fill the what seems like eternity since since a wise man fear came out that's fair and also josh we've come 
full podcast on this and talking about Audible in at least one episode. Just want to put that out there. Um, No, we are not giving any Audible discounts. We don't have them. Um, But yeah, we talked about Audible in the podcast. Um, But with that, Josh, I I wish you the best on that uh, that hamster wheel um, in the best of ways. Um, And just keep going because if it's filling your bucket, then that's all that really matters. Um, For me, so this is in addition to I have found that I am reading more now um, than ever. Over, well, for, first of all, for these last four years, I've been in a PhD program. Um, and so right now, but though, like I've got three, two books, two textbooks on top of that, and a whole bunch of articles, and that's just for one of my classes. Um, and so I'm doing a lot of reading every day, um, every day. Um, but that being said, I've been able to knock out like personal reading outside of that. Now, I don't know how, but it's really helpful and really good for me, um, lately. Um, and it's not my norm by any sense. Um, so earlier this summer I read through, um, so I enjoy star Wars a lot, a lot. I've seen literally like everything. Um, and so I have been fascinated by the character of Thrawn. Um, so if you've never heard of Thrawn, Thrawn is from the like unknown regions, um, from a different race of people called the Chiss, um, that are super advanced and they see the empire as a threat, but they also know there's like the bigger threat out there. So what does he decide to do, but embed himself in the empire and become grand admiral? Um, cause why not be able to bend your enemy's whim to you? Um, by making them better and like invested in you. That's not a spoiler, by the way, that happens on like chapter one. Um, so this Thrawn's a character from the, um, expanded universe, which when Disney purchased, uh, star Wars, they said, Nope, that's not a thing anymore. Um, but they immediately brought Timothy Zan back who wrote that series for in the expanded universe. And so I read Thrawn, the first book, and then I just finished a couple weeks ago, um, Thrawn alliances, which takes place after rebels, um, sort of like, well, in the middle of rebels, um, the star Wars rebel series, and it's him and Darth Vader. And then also fast, like rewinding back to him and Anakin Skywalker saving Padme. Um, so it's kind of this cool dual linear, um, storyline going on. And he's just a fascinating character. Um, very, very much intellectual. Um, I just really, really enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to reading the next book and they just came out with a fourth one. So the next one is Thrawn Threesen. Um, and then there's Thrawn Ascendancy is the last one. I think that's the name of the fourth book. I, again, it just came out. Um, so, so, yeah. So Bruce, I, I, I have to ask because I'll be honest with you. The only reason I really have never read much of the Star Wars is expanded universe is how hit or miss the writing in some of these um, non non main title books yes. can be. Yes. And so what is your what is your experience with with reading Thrawn in terms of the actual writing and literary work? Sure. So I've read a couple other Star Wars things. Like I've read the whole Tarkin series, like the Tarkin book um, and things like that. And and honestly, I view Disney coming in and saying, nope, that's not a thing as twofold. One is then they can do what they want with the story, which makes sense Mm -hmm. 
for creative license. Second is it had a major problem with what you just said. Um, some of them weren't that great um, or created major plot holes or different things. Um, so I have found the Thrawn books pretty approachable. Um, I actually found Tarkin a little confusing at times because I know Star Wars, but they would name a specific type of ship with the expectation that I knew what that looked like. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it wasn't as captivating enough to like paint that picture in my head, but Thrawn, it's not really about that. Um, it's more about the mind and the approach and the tactics than it is. And using normal things, um, the only advanced thing like craft in it is like, Oh, here's a, um, a tie defender. So if you've watched rebels, you know what that is. Or if you played the X wings here, a game, uh, the miniatures game from fantasy flight, you know what that is. It's the, the, the tri wing X wing, which is super fast and can go into light speed. My biggest problem with the new movies, regular tie fighters can't go into light speed. Stop that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've actually found it really approachable. Um, I will say in the second book, the dual storyline was a little confusing at times. Cause I'm like, I don't know how these are going to mesh up. I don't really know that they fully meshed up because it kind of leaves it in a place of, I need to read the next book. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So Bruce on the topic of expanded universe and additional backstory and uh, going beyond, I've actually picked up a book. I haven't really gotten far into it. Uh, but, but it is, it is sitting on my, uh, coffee table because I will not put it on the bookshelf until <laughs> I start reading it. Cause I, I know myself and when a book goes on the bookshelf, it does not come off. That's fair. But what is it? I picked, I picked up, uh, the first book by R.A. Salvatore in the D and D universe. Ooh. Uh, and so the book title sorry i'm gonna have to to look over and and look at it again so ra salvatore wrote uh about a drow in the uh D universe by the mm-hmm. name of drizzt mm-hmm. the legend um, of drizzt so the first book that i'm I, I picked up is homeland um and i I, I'm very excited to get started because I, I picked up and started reading through it at, at a whim. Um, we, my wife and I were out um, just kind of trying to find some time out in, out of the house and wandered into Barnes and Noble for a few moments just to do some browsing for new books. And while my wife was browsing for something, I went ahead and I picked up the the first book in the series and and i read through the first chapter and was just completely engrossed in this story within the first couple of pages which i really had not expected um again similar to kind of the the star wars uh stuff is i'd never really picked up any of the D D narrative books because of my concern that the writing wouldn't be up to par or wouldn't be as good as what I wanted or expected them to be. And I've got to say, this is really, really good writing from a fantasy novelist for, for someone who's working within a world, not of their own creation. Um, and huh. so, yeah, I, I really, it, it also, I think gives some really nice context for D and D players, right? 
um, you, you get a little bit more of the context for the way the world is shaped and the way the Forgotten Realms are, the, the way the Forgotten Realms function. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting farther into this and I, I, I can't wait to, to be able to start moving a little bit further into more of these uh, stories and more of the uh, backstory behind this world that I've just loved living in for so long and know realize that I know so little about. So one of the things I love about D and D and I need to get better at this as a DM is recognizing that your player should not come in my opinion, side note, um, should not come to the table having a full giant ginormous backstory. Cause that's a big part of the game of like unpacking that right. And exploring that. And, and I think for me, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that um, of like having players discover about themselves. Well, so makes sense why I work in education um, and getting a PhD because I do a lot of time thinking about random things. Um, but with that being said, what are you liking literally literary, literary about this book? Is it the way it's writing about the scenes? Is it way is like is it presenting the whole character or is it letting you discover them? What's going on? So the first chapter is really kind of giving you an introduction to the character. And that's about as far into it as I've really gotten. Okay. Um, is it's really kind of setting the stage for, right. Drizzt is, is set up as one of these. He's a dark elf. Yeah. He, he is a dark elf. He is a dark elf ranger. Um, but he is very much set up as, as one of these kind of, huge famous adventurers right uh and and so like on the on the level of like some of the epic mages who who we know from from their spells like tasha um tasha's hideous right that is the the level of fame that that drist is is set up to achieve okay and so you you definitely start with this kind of I, I don't want to call no name but but kind of this this nothing character who who develops and and that's right that's the thing that I love about 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 d and d is starting with uh, a character from nowhere uh, and, and becoming this this really all powerful being right I mean Whoa. um. I've never gotten to this level, no. right? If you if you think about go if you run a campaign from level one to level twenty, like you ultimately become godlike in your powers. Yeah. Um and, and so that's that's one of the things that I love. And I, I think that at least from what I've read thus far, the the book gives a pretty good job of, of setting up this kind of cut purse no nothing uh, or no no uh significance character that that will go on to do incredible things okay cool that's really cool that's already seeding those feelings um and wanting you to get back so i i hope the reading goes well you'll have to report out later um for me i have a throwback for us to kind of round everything out um so i this is a book i've wanted to read for a long time um like a long time um but i know a lot about the story um i did not I have not played the board game. Uh, y'all did. I think you. No, I think you played with them. Um, but this is Dune by Frank Herbert, um, seminal classic within sci-fi. So when I finished Thrawn, 
I was like, I, I feel like I can't move forward until I read Dune, um, especially with the new movie coming out December 8th. Now I have right at this time, no plans to go see that in person because of everything, but I can't wait to see it. Right. Um, and so with that, I want to, re- I'm reading through the book. I am about an eighth of the way through the book. Um, so I'm knocking out like last night I knocked out like four chapters. Um, cause I was like, this is so captivating. I need to keep reading. Um, and so once I got past, honestly, the first two chapters, because honestly how it is, is it's kind of little time jumps or jumping in places because it's the beginning of this giant narrative story. And so it's pulling, it's going to pull in all these characters. I feel that tension coming um, because of some of the very intriguing ways they wrote this. Uh, but because it's all learning new things and hearing their new speak and new vernacular for things... Um, it was just a little dense to get through the first couple chapters. But then after that, I'm like, okay, I've, I've memorized what those things mean and I can just keep going along. But what my favorite thing is, is that it's got a little like two to three sentence thing at the start of every chapter that is about something from later in time that is like either notes from such and such a book or um, reflections from such and such a book or like, uh, stories about so-and-so's XYZ. And I don't want to spoil anything. That's why I'm not saying specifics. But it's what's cool is it, I'm like, at first I was like, what the heck is this? Like, I don't really care about, I don't know what those words are. I don't know what those things are. And But at chapter after chapter after having these, it laid the seeds for what is coming. So it's interesting that um, I have all these storylines that I feel them coming together. And then I also have this finite story at the end of what it is moving along with it. So I know where I'm going at the same time that I'm like jumping around. It's fascinating the way it's written. Bruce, I I, I just, and and I know that I've just gotten done talking about two seminal classic fantasy novels that everyone is probably there are plenty of people out there who are probably thinking how how are you just now getting around to reading these but i don't understand how you're just now getting around to reading dune i know i I didn't have i I didn't have it like i didn't have it it. i i i i don't know how many listeners have read it and so i don't want to get into too much about it because i it is a story that is worth every second of exploring and you are correct it is a dense sci-fi novel um you you need to accept and understand that you are getting into an incredibly dense world building experience when you pick up that book Um, so there are yeah go ahead there are words and titles and things that you have no context for when you start to pick them up. Um, you have, I mean, we can just use some, you, you have no idea what the Benny Jesserit is when you pick up that book. You have right. no idea what the Moadib, um, Moadib or the Quizat Hatterat, like, right. These or the words Gom Jabber. nothing. Right. Gom Jabbar. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how to actually say no it. It's idea. one of those things. You have no idea what these words mean but frank herbert does such a phenomenal job of never telling you what they what these things are Uh, right like at no point does he explain 
what the Kwisat Haderat is. He doesn't explain what the any of these words mean. He shows you through his through the story. He he shows you what these things are and what these words mean. And it is in my in my view a a masterclass of world building. Yeah, because literally it's everything, by the way. Um so it's politics and different religions coming to play it's transhumanity type things and then coming back to humanity it is economies and and like corporations it is warfare it is political like backstabbing and like war like everything everything um as well as like how you treat people um and like succession and it, there's a lot of layers and like i said i'm only an eighth of the way into the book um so except i'm i'm gonna finish like i'm so captivated i'm gonna finish this book in the next month i guarantee that um so i'll, I'll finish this by november um uh, because that's how invested i am in going through this um so yeah so i'm looking forward to it and of course looking forward to the phenomenal movie i'm, I'm just saying it's gonna be phenomenal because it better live up to it um <laughs> but the trailer was amazing so that's also what gave me a little kick in the pants because i've got to, i've got till december I got a cushion. It is of a, a month. significant, significant upgrade to the eighties movie, if nothing else. Right. Well, I mean the eighties <laughs> movie, just to put this out there. So there is a title that a the screen directors guild that you can put on your movie when you feel that the producers or other factors have made it where it's not the movie you wanted to make and it's are so far off and so far bad that the director of Dune put that title on the movie. Um, so like, yeah, like definitely needed a rework, but I'm very glad it seems like they're doing it justice, but the book, read the book. I picked it up in my half price books. Yeah. Maybe, maybe read the other books in the series. I don't know. I don't, I'm not that far yet. (laughs) Uh, you will immediately, I promise you, Bruce, the second you finish the book, you will immediately want to go out and pick up Messiah and you will start Messiah and it will be good, but you will not finish it nearly in the time frame that you will finish Dune. Um, okay. uh, uh, dis- dis- disappointingly, in my opinion, at least the the sequels do not live up to the ah. uh, the the story that is told in the first book. But that being said, one of the greatest books um, that, that you can pick up. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun, and uh, listeners, we hope that this other type of content was fun for you um it was fun for us to do so um because of the whole um 42 thing so we wanted to talk about some geeky literature things um so i just thought that was really fitting for us to do um so josh do you have any closing words for our listeners absolutely uh as always listeners thank you so much for joining us uh we we wouldn't do this if it wasn't for you and we're we're really glad that you are here to to listen to us I'll echo what Bruce said. I, I hope you enjoyed our geeking out over other things not board game related. I promise you we'll be back with some more board game comment. But in the meantime, as Bruce so impolitely stole at the beginning <laughs> of the show, uh, so long and thanks for all the fish. Yeah, thanks so much, listeners. Again, remember to go on, click the uh, contest thing because we want you to win. We want you to be part of that. And make sure to enter the code thank you with no space. So thank you, no space. Uh, but we hope that you're doing well no matter where you are in the world, that you get to geek out on things and fill your bucket. 
uh, because then you have more energy for gaming and all those kind of things. Um, really good, really good thing. Um, but with that all being said, looking forward to all the upcoming conventions as well. So we'll be talking about those in upcoming episodes. Uh, but we'll see you again in two weeks. Um, so until then, go make your positive impact on the world.